I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Will Republicans retake the Senate in 2014? What will happen in the House? What's the latest in 2016 presidential politics? People who want to stay ahead of the curve in politics turn to our good friends at the Cook Political Report for answers. For more than 30 years, Charlie Cook and his team have nailed the nation's most important election outcomes and political trends. CBS News' Bob Schieffer calls the report, quote, the Bible of American politics. Nate Silver says few have, quote, a longer track record of success. If you make it your business to know politics, you need to subscribe to the Cook Political Report. Head over to cookpolitical.com slash political wire. That's cookpolitical.com slash political wire to sign up today. And now to our conversation. The White House recently announced a change at the top. Not the very top, of course, but as head of the press office. Jay Carney is stepping down. Josh Ernest is stepping up. The White House press secretary is, quite often, America's face to the world. And speaking for the president, sometimes several times a day, the press secretary faces many masters, the commander-in-chief, the media, and, of course, the American people. So how to balance the competing pressures? For example, protecting information responsibly versus the public's right to know particularly in these highly partisan times with POW swaps, VA scandals, midterms, Obamacare fights, and more, how do you balance policy with politics? Few in the role had to walk that line more regularly than Joe Lockhart, who served as President Clinton's press secretary. Today, he's a founding partner and managing director of the Glover Park Group, which offers media, communications, and political strategy to global corporations and nonprofits. He also served as vice president of global communications for Facebook. Joe, thanks for joining me. So Jay Carney is stepping down. Josh Ernest will fill the role. Just because Josh may not have asked you for advice, that doesn't mean that I can't. What would you tell him? I would tell him that the first uh, and most important rule of being the White House press secretary is not to take things personally, Uh, that uh, the grilling you take in the briefing room, the um, the criticism you'll face from across the political aisle as well as the media aisle is not about you. It's about um, uh, getting to the bottom of uh, what the president's doing, uh, opposing in some cases what the president's doing. Uh, but um, the, you know, probably the best piece of personal advice that I got and, and that I uh, try to pass on is uh, as uncomfortable as it can seem at times, uh, the way to get through it is to understand that it's about something much bigger than you. You were characterized in one New York Times article, I think this was uh, back when you took the role, and I'm sure you'll line up a bunch of people who will argue with it, but uh, the rare instance of a nice guy understudy who got the starring role by working hard. Now, you know, I'm sure you've got plenty of folks who will debate the nice guy part. Mm -hmm. Um, As for Ernest, I I don't know him. I don't know whether he's a nice guy, though all reports are his demeanor matches his name. But he's clearly an understudy who's getting the starring role. You, of course, took over uh, for Mike uh, McCurry. Um, Is that a difficult way to take the job? Well, you know, I think... I, I think it's uh, a preferred way. Um, you know, it's sort of, uh, you, know, you know, I took over for Mike McCurry, but let's not forget that Mike spent mm, something like two, two and a half years at the State Department, um, you know, honing his skills as uh, the, the chief spokesman on foreign policy uh, for the U.S. It is such a complicated job. The issues are so um, um uh, hard to keep up with and and uh, difficult to understand at times that it's very hard for someone from the outside to come in 
and on you know day one or week one or month one, um, really uh, be an effective uh, spokesperson. I think when a president comes into office and you've been with the president, like say Robert Gibbs um, with President Obama, you have a sense of who the president is as a person uh, and what they believe and how they speak and how they communicate. Um, but to to not have a relationship with the president and to not have a deep understanding of uh, the ongoing policies in the building, I think that's a you know it's a mountain too high to climb. So I think it makes enormous sense uh, to look inside. Uh, this is the second time uh, President Obama has made a change, and both times he's looked inside. And I think that's a reflection of just how complicated the job has become. So let's talk about balancing the pressures. Uh, I mean, you obviously held the role um, during an incredibly challenging time. If I have my dates right, uh, you know, you, you took the role um, in October of 98, and in December of that year uh, was when the impeachment occurred. I mean, there's probably no single action that crosses more from politics to policy to politics again than an attempt to impeach a president. Um, was there anything – were you prepared for that? Was there anything that could have prepared you for that? Well, you know, the only thing that prepared me for that was I had spent the previous six months working with the White House legal team as the independent counsel moved toward, moved his investigation forward as uh, the congressional committees began to organize. So, you know, my first briefing <clears throat> happened to, you know, just by chance coincide with the opening of the House impeachment hearings. Um, and, you know, same, same day, same time. And, you know, it, it would have been very difficult going back to the previous point to just drop in and try to understand the dynamics. But I had been working on that uh, uh, for six months. Having said all that, the answer is no, you're never fully prepared. Uh, and there is an element of, um, you know, flying a little blind. Uh, but that's part of the job. It's both, you know, I think what scares some people away to it, uh, from it and what attracts others to it. So the second term of, of presidencies, and obviously we're, we're seeing a bit of it going on right now. I mean, the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the POW trade for, for Bo Bergdahl, um, Benghazi, the VA scandal. I mean, things are, are, are obviously heating up. I mean, in, in, aside from all of that, you've got midterms, um, some of which uh, you were dealing with as well. Um, is there anything about the second term? Is there anything about the, you know, kind of growing scandals, if you will? I mean, it's a, you know, that's a bit of a loaded term, but, but, you know, there, obviously things are getting a bit hot right now and getting hotter. I mean, the calls on the, the POW thing are, are, are really heating up. Is there anything about coming in, you know, really, I mean, you got thrown in, you, you just described getting thrown in at the, you know, the day that the House impeachment, you know, that, that it opens. Is there anything about coming in right at that time that makes it, um, harder or, or easier, or you just got to jump in and do it? Well, I think you just got to jump in and do it. And I, I, the one thing about the White House, and particularly the press secretary role, is it's very rare that it gets dull, uh, where there's nothing going on. In fact, I used to tell people that uh, those were the, the days where there wasn't much going on were the ones that I feared the most, because it allowed everyone to go out and look around and manufacture something. Uh, as opposed to dealing with something going on overseas or dealing with some domestic political uh, or policy issue. Um, on the issue of the second term, I do think, you know, th there is a difference between the first and the second term, and it has to do with the, the ultimate leverage and power that a president has. All during the first term, there is a sense that this president is going to be around for a long time, and the the real referendum on uh, his or her performance is re-election. 
once the president's reelected, um, he doesn't he or she doesn't have uh, the next election to uh, look forward to to use as a lever uh, over uh, both political allies and uh, and opponents. So it does get more difficult during the, the second term. Now balance that with the idea that because you don't have to run again, you you have some more flexibility to take steps that are good policy but might be difficult to explain or even unpopular. What about support from within your own party? And and I think you know I would assume that that was you know particularly during the the impeachment period. I mean that was that was a you needed that support. And and now Obama as well. You, you know you had you have some you've had a midterm situation. You've got some uh, Democratic candidates, although that's declining. Who you know initially were were not embracing Obamacare, not really being openly willing. I'm thinking perhaps you know North Carolina, some of the places in the South where. Uh, um, some of that has been been tougher, um, and now you know with the the POW is, is keeping the party in you know behind the president, keeping that support. Is that something a press secretary even thinks about? Or and and as that support might uh, you know dwindle a bit, how much harder does the role become? Well, I, I mean, I think the the press secretary's job in in many respects is just a reflection uh, of how difficult the president's job is, and the president. Um, um, while he remains popular and while he's doing things that the public approves of, um, has an enormous amount of power, both with his allies within his party, uh, to pursue his agenda, which may not match up completely with, uh, other Democrats, uh, on Capitol Hill. And it's tremendous power over, uh, the opponents. So what makes it hard for a president and then, you know, by extension, the press secretaries, when you do get to a point which, Every president does, where their popularity dips. Um, there are they, you know, members on the Hill and uh, particularly in the party opposite, believe that they now have the leverage and that they can control the agenda. Um, all of this is a you know dynamic, fluid situation, and it starts on day one and doesn't end till uh, the last day. And it is it is harder when you know you're sitting and you know your poll numbers have slumped and people think they can take advantage of that. Uh, but the, you know the way you um, uh, pursue your agenda is in large part by selling your agenda and, you know, going to the public and telling the public, this is what we should be expecting from Washington. This is what I'm trying to get done. And the, the unspoken, uh, leverage there is those who get in the way will have to pay a political price for getting in the way. Joe, I've got uh, other questions that I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about trust and the d- declining trust in government that we're seeing from from polls, and that's something that uh, I saw you spoke about, um, you know, back in in your time and the importance of rebuilding trust. I also want to ask you about the press secretary role itself. Um, questions being raised: um, is, is it outdated? And and have these daily briefings, which become almost a battle of, you know, I'm going to find the ways to avoid answering your question. You know, is the role updated, and and how might it need to be modernized? Um, but first, I, I do want to tell our, our listeners uh, just a couple of words about our terrific sponsor, Stamps.com. Now, we all know that getting your mail and shipping done can seem like a no-win situation. Going to the post office, that takes up valuable time. Leasing a postage meter, it's expensive. With multi-year commitments and hidden fees, luckily, I know a better way. Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package right from your desk. 
using your own computer and printer. You even get special postage discounts you can't find at the post office. Plus, Stamps.com is more powerful than a postage meter at just a fraction of the cost. You can save up to 80% compared to a postage meter, and you'll avoid those time-consuming trips to the post office. Now, those are exactly the reasons why we use Stamps.com at Political Wire. So right now, use our promo code WIRE for this special offer. It's a no-risk trial plus $110 of bonus offer. That includes a digital scale and up to $55 free postage. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in WIRE. That's Stamps.com. Enter WIRE. Joe, I've been reading and talking and, and frankly worrying a lot lately about the huge drop in trust Americans have in government, and, and I'm not the only one who's worrying about this. Um, I, I happen to think it's a, a massive challenge, if not you know, perhaps our most important challenge. Um, there was a recent Millennials poll from Harvard, um, and I talked with those folks about that poll. Um, there have been many others uh, you know, dealing with older voters as well. Um, you know, in, in 98, in there, there's this article on you. It's a great piece. Um, and in, in research, you, you had a quote in there, this was a New York Times piece, that we, we have a problem now after the president acknowledged misleading the country, um, and we have to build back that trust. I mean, that was something, building trust was something you clearly thought about and, and, and worried about. Um, is the problem worse now, and how, how would you be advising to, to try to rebuild trust in government in America? Well, you know, first, you know, if you look at millennials, but even the population, uh, you know, in a broader sense, um, it's not just government that people don't trust anymore. It's large institutions writ large. Um, if you look at uh, the trust levels for the mainstream media, uh, they have plummeted. If you look for the trust levels in like organized uh, churches that they have plummeted, uh, big business uh, people, are they're at historically low levels. So there, there's something going on here that uh, in in our society that suggests that people no longer want to be told from above what's going on. They want to find it out for themselves or they want to hear it from their friends and from their peers. So we, we are in a change. And I think the, you know, the rise of social media, the, the rise of the Internet all plays a big part in this. But the reality is you sit there and you're faced with the situation of, well, people don't trust us. They, they don't they don't believe everything we say just because we've said it. And that, you know, puts an extra burden on you in trying to, you know, uh, lead the country and pursue the policies that you believe um, are in the best interest of all Americans. And really, you know, the 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 only way to do that is to by is to practice what you preach, is to go out and say, here's what we need to do. Here's what we are doing, uh, and to be very straightforward about it, and to not cut corners and um, you know uh, talk about uh, you know blame things on your opponents, but really take responsibility for the situation and and be you know extraordinarily st- straightforward in your presentation. Is the role outdated? No, I don't think so. But the role has changed uh, significantly. Um, you know, I, I, w- I was literally talking to someone earlier today. Uh, and I was remembering that in 1999, I felt like I was less a uh, person who went to a podium and spoke from on high, but was more of a programming person, you know, who thought, okay, we have in the morning to fill because there's cable TV and we've got the afternoon and we've got newspapers. And it was really kind of a pretty 
broad canvas that we were painting on to try to get our message out. Well, that's exploded with the internet. It's it's now a very wide platform with many tools, uh, particularly social media, everything from Twitter to Facebook to Instagram. And, you know, White House communicators, not just the press secretary, uh, should be using all these tools uh, to get this me- their message out, and they are. And the press secretary, you know, the role, um, you know, has evolved into much more of an orchestrator than a, you know, straightforward, you know, uh, guy who stands at the guy or uh, the woman who stands at the podium and, you know, proclaims. Uh, but I do think uh, I've, I've seen some stories along the way that talk about it's outdated, we should just get rid of it. And I think that's wrong. I think in moments of crisis, in moments of uh, things of, you know, worldwide import, you still want a place where you can tune in every day and see someone standing there talking for the president. Um, You know, it's maybe an odd thing, and it's it's, it's not very many Obama supporters that actually bring up uh, Benghazi uh, and and that somewhat manufactured crisis uh, from my perspective. But but here's why I think it's important. Like, I I don't have access now to, um, you know, the confidential uh, and uh, classified cables and all the things that happen. But I know that that there's 10 or 15 reporters uh, who go to the White House every day, and they have taken their very best best shot to try to poke holes in uh, the White House story on this. And, you know, after a year, a year and a half, you've realized that the story stands up. Now, did they do everything right? Of course they didn't. Uh, Are there places they could have improved? Of course they could. But I feel confident, you know, from the outside that because I can witness this process, that if the the process uh, in itself has has maintained its integrity, uh, and I think that's an important thing, and that doesn't go away. You know, the the battle back and forth on on the asking the questions and and trying to you know in in what ends up having the appearance of trying not to answer them. It's not necessarily the intent, but it sometimes appears that way. I mean, you, you you've seen the the clips put together of Carney, you know, kind of saying the same thing over and over. Is that the and and that's part of what leads to this question of you know what's the what you know how should this role be defined? Is it fulfilling its purpose? Is is this is this more about the way the press covers the White House and you got, you know, 10 to 15 people regularly and at times, you know, more than that, 50, 60, all kind of ans- asking the same questions? Is the problem on that side or is it on the press secretary side where the, the role sometimes has to be more defensive than offensive? You know, I think it's uh, both or all of the above. Um, I think, you know, the, the significant, the most significant thing to happen to the briefing in the last 20 years is not the internet, it's the introduction of cameras. Uh, and what that did was took a fairly informal um, uh, session and turned it into something very formal where every word had to be watched and every word was subject to editing. Um, where the press secretary could say something, but you could take it out of context, and it became much more about the theater of the moment as opposed to a um, uh, an instructive and informative uh, uh, Q and A. Yeah, I, I was going to say um, it, it. It also gave us Sam Donaldson, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, but you know, the thing is, we had Sam before uh, the uh, the briefing. He 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 had the ability to make his voice heard in any. Uh, in any environment, um, and that you know is an important part of you know if you if you talk to people who are around then, 
like who who made Ronald Reagan accountable? I mean, people would say Sam Donaldson. So I think uh, there there's there's a, there is a real value uh, in that. Um, but I do think um, that the uh, the actual session of the briefing um, has diminished in value to everyone involved because there is this idea that something can be taken out of context, it can go viral and be seen by <clears throat> tens of millions of people around the world. So you have to be careful not to say anything. But I think if you take a step back and understand that the briefing is only a very small part of what the press secretary does, there are a hundred ways to communicate um, uh, with reporters, with the public at large. And, you know, the briefing is just one of them. And while I think the briefing has diminished, um, you know, in its day-to-day importance, the other functions haven't. And, and the press secretary is, is the one individual who's um, entrusted with getting the president's message out to, uh, to the public. Uh, the tools that he or she uses are going to change over time. Uh, we may see something happen with the briefing that it, you know, it regains its its prominence and its importance in the process. I think now it's it's not the most important thing, uh, but I do think, um, you know, as I said uh, to the last question, we should continue to have it because I think you know, there are moments for this country where it's very important for people to tune in and watch what the, the president's spokesman has to say. What's your take on – Obama ran with uh, transparency as a key. I mean you, you heard him say – we've all heard him say it would be the most transparent administration in history. And you know, you've got quotes. Jill Abramson, when she was at the New York Times, uh, you know, called it the most secretive White House she's ever been involved in covering. David Sanger um, also you know, has been quoted recently, the most closed control, control freak administration I've ever covered. Trying to balance you know, the, the range of roles you've played. I mean you've been on the press secretary side and then you know, as, a, as a citizen trying to get information. You, you, what's your take on uh, the Obama administration's you know, approach to transparency? Is it there? Is it where they would want it to be? Well, I, I think it's where they want it to be. And I think, you know, first, first of all, you know, it, it is easier to campaign than it is to govern. Uh, governing is infinitely more complicated uh, than campaigning. And, you know, I, I've used the example uh, that when President Clinton ran in 1992, he uh, made a big issue about uh, President Bush 41's um, um, close relationship with the Chinese government and cooperation with the Chinese when they were an adversary. And then he won and realized that, and, and I'm sure at the time he understood that, but when you're governing, it's much more complicated. You you cannot you cannot have the UN function, for example, uh, and and you know multilateral diplomacy without Chinese involvement and in times cooperation. Uh, so there's 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 the that piece that you know governing is more complicated, and we live in a post 9/11 world where um, the threat of terrorism is very real. The fight against terror is very real, and some of it needs to be done in secret. Although it's, to be to be fair, though, yeah. I mean, he he ran, of course, in a post 9/11 world. Oh sure, yeah. And, and, you know, I think he defines uh, transparency the way um, he wants to define it. I I find most of the press criticism uh, to be about the press. I find that uh, this is a constant uh, refrain from the press, that whoever is sitting in power, that they're not open enough and they're not transparent enough. Uh, and I think really the dynamic, the reason I think the decibel level has gone up 
so much on this now isn't so much what the Obama administration is doing, but the changes that are going on in the media. You know, when I started doing this, the television networks uh, had 70 to 80 percent of uh, the public tuning in every night to their evening news broadcasts. Now it's 10 percent at best. Uh, the, there were there were many cities with two and three newspapers that were reaching millions of people. You know, there are cities now that don't have a daily newspaper. The media has changed, and the 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 tool or the platforms that people are using to get their information no longer have that intermediary of what we call the mainstream media. So I think there's a struggle, there's an identity struggle going on in the media, and sometimes it's easier to point their finger at the White House and transparency than it is, you know, for the media to really grapple with where are they relevant? What do they need to do to change to, to continue to be relevant and useful and part of the process? Uh, so I, I don't take, um, you know, that you, you referenced Jill Abramson's comment. I, I take a lot of what she said seriously. That one I take with a grain of salt. Do, do you miss it? Sure. You, you know, it's one of those, I think I described it once as while I was doing the job that it, it was the, the best job I would ever have, but I actually can't wait till it's over because it does take a, it does, you do pay a price um, for, you know, working seven days a week and 15, 16 hours a day and never really being off. Uh, but it is, um, it's the only, it's not the only place. It is uh, the center um uh, of power in the world and and where decisions get made and decisions that impact you know billions of lives um, uh, at times uh, uh, protecting uh, the lives of, of people at times promoting uh, their interests and it's a it is really the one place where you're not playing at the margins you're right at the center uh, and it's you know it's just a, a great experience and a privilege to, to to be to be asked to be involved in. And and lastly, because you in mentioning uh, President Clinton a moment ago, it made me think of uh, one one other question. I mean, you know, he was a master communicator, not the only one, of course. We you know we've got one uh, in the office now, and uh, you know Reagan as well. But but I mean, Bill Clinton was a master communicator. How, how do you give communications advice to to a guy who's a master at it? Well, it's you know it's it's interesting because I agree with you. He is a he is a great great communicator, um, but. He is not always great, and when he doesn't spend time working on it, he can be downright bad sometimes. He can say things, and it's generally because he doesn't have the full picture, and he doesn't understand the context um, in which things are said, because frankly, the president of the United States shouldn't be watching cable TV all the time. He's, he or she's got more important things to do, or not understand the dynamic that's going on between reporters or within a news organization. So the advice that um, I would give uh, to the president was more providing him with context, which is the New York Times is running this kind of story now because of these three things. So if you if you say um, it one way, it's going to, it's going to run counter uh, to getting your message out. But if you say it another way, understanding the context of what's been going on, uh, it, it can be much more effective. And, you know, the president was, uh, in addition to having, you know, sort of just natural skills, a, a very genuine, empathetic um, persona, he was a student of all of politics and, and of communication and always wanted to do things the, the most, the best way he could in the most effective way. So, you know, it's not like you don't tell him, uh, you don't tell him what to say. 
you give him a much fuller picture of how it's going to be received. And he was very good about fine-tuning, like, well, okay, I can say it this way, then that'll be much better. Joe Lockhart was press secretary during President Clinton's administration. He's now founding partner, managing director of the Glover Park Group. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations.